Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Murder in Illinois is a production of iHeartRadio. When the bodies of the three Vaughn children and their mother were discovered, the crime scene was so traumatizing that a police chaplain was brought to the location to provide counseling for first responders. All their emotions, their horror, heartbreak, and anger would have been intertwined with the need for an explanation and for justice. As the lone survivor, Christopher Vaughn appears to have been eyed almost immediately as the prime suspect. And according to his mother, Gail, in many ways after the tragedy, his behavior and personality further implicated him. Chris prided himself in not showing a lot of emotions. Even growing up, he tried to be very stoic. And he would take everything in stride and he would smile, you know, and stuff. But he tried not to show emotion. I'm not sure where that came from, but because as a child, he, he was just happy and happy-go-lucky and smart aleck and normal little boy. But then after he got married, he decided he just didn't want to show emotion anymore. And you knew by his eyes, the twinkle or, or the crease or, you know, the, what he was, happy, sad, or angry which he didn't really get angry that often, but he did get angry. The evening before the funeral was supposed to take place, we had gathered on our back deck. Our other son had a one son that was a toddler. I don't even think he made it. He was a year old, but he was, he was walking around like a little bumblebee with his arms out and, you know, doing that stumbly thing. And 
And whenever Chris saw him, uh, tears would come down his face. And he was really quiet around the kids. He'd sit down and let them crawl over him or walk over him, and he just cried. But uh, then he went to the funeral, and that was it. So did they let him bury his family? No. I'm Lauren Bright Pacheco, and this is Murder in Illinois. Vaughn family was shot early morning of June 14, 2007. Chris was taken to the hospital and interrogated for a period of the three days following the deaths of his wife and children. Their bodies were transported to Missouri for the funeral, planned for Saturday, June 23rd. As both sides of the grieving family prepared to bury Kimberly and her three children, it was against the backdrop of relentless media coverage that painted Christopher Vaughn in an increasingly negative light. Witnesses described Vaughn's family as happy and normal in the days leading up to their deaths. Their bodies were found in the family vehicle parked near I-55 on a narrow path near a cell phone tower. Vaughn's father-in-law said he was troubled over how he left for work one morning, stone-faced, and didn't say a word to anyone. His sister-in-law said he talked to Kimberly Vaughn at least twice before her death, and she seemed fine. Here's Chris's brother, Eric. Well, I mean, it was portrayed that way on the news. And it was like on every channel, both local and up in Chicago area. You could find multiple stations broadcasting their opinions on it. So you felt like you watched your brother become a suspect in the media long before he was formally charged? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah, it's breaking news and everything like that. But, you know, within hours, they had released names, photos, and everything. That normally doesn't happen within hours. It's usually half a day or a day. Stuff is released to the press. It was almost like they were released it before they really even did a lot of stuff. Testing and forensics and and stuff like that. In the days following the tragedy, Christopher seemed somewhat unresponsive. To his family, though, his actions were more in keeping with those of a grieving father than a murderer, even a remorseful one. When I first saw him, once he got back to my parents' house, I definitely gave him a big hug, a lot longer than I would normally give him a hug. I mean, he, he looked just lost. Just the look in his eyes, he was shocked, I guess, still in shock. We talked a little bit, but nothing. And we really didn't talk about what was happening. We talked and chit-chatted about stuff, nothing related to what's happening with him for the most part. Did you ever talk to him about what happened that day? Did you ever try to get answers from him? No, 
I didn't ask any direct questions and I really wasn't sure if it was too soon to ask what happened according to him what happened if I would have known a couple of days later he would be in jail I would have probably asked some questions but I didn't what was he like emotionally and mentally head head down a lot just kind of that glazed stunned look if you asked him a question or asked him if he needed anything I mean he'd answer you and kind of a very low enthusiasm is kind of like oh I'm okay no I don't need anything definitely didn't have the sarcasm like my family is is good for I saw more emotion in his body movement and the way he held himself and walked and the way he was I'd I'd never seen anything like that you know from Chris I would have been thinking of through my head trying to replay everything to figure out what happened yeah I'm sure there's some type of pain from being shot to the leg or whatever he was hobbling around you know I would have personally been more concerned with okay what's going to happen next what do I need to do what can I do I I would have no clue in the days leading up to the funeral of Kim and his children the police focus on Chris intensified it was becoming clear to him and to his family that he was the primary, if not only, suspect in their murders. Here's Gail Vaughn. When Chris was still with us and the Illinois State Police asked us to come back over for another interview with Pierre and Chris separately, Chris had a bad feeling about it. He says, Mom, They shouldn't be interviewing me over and over about the same thing. I've already told them all I know and what I know. And it it just, we were getting different information feedbacks. We were reading what was happening in the paper against us, but we were told not to make any comments. We did have reporters come to our door and leave cards to get an interview, and we were told not to talk to any of them. The Vaughn family's decision to grieve privately and to avoid the press seems to have fueled the impression that they were either aloof or elusive. Christopher's family now has the benefit of hindsight. I wondered what they would have done differently if they'd have remained as quiet in the public eye. Here's Gail. I would definitely not fly under the radar. We were told not to talk to any press by our lawyers. We were not to talk about this to anybody, about our case or our feelings, anything. We were not to say anything to anybody. I think we should have just gone right out there and just started telling everybody that this was not true. It was just not right. Here's Adam, Chris's brother. You read about these types of tragedies in the news, you see them in the news, but you never, you never expect it to actually happen to someone you know, let alone your family. But it was a very uh, surreal situation. And I can remember wondering why the police kept bringing Chris back in for questioning from the little bits and pieces that I heard between my parents and Chris, they weren't very consoling 
for for an individual who just lost his family. The feel right from the beginning was that the police were trying to wring anything out of him, but they released him and he came came home to my parents' house and we were able to set up the funeral. Adam remembers watching his eldest brother begin to slowly unravel in the days leading up to the service. He was hurting. I mean, that was very evident in in his demeanor. We Vaughn males are not overly demonstrative, but I absolutely saw him crying. I saw him trying to hold it together around people, but you could just see pain emanating from him. I mean, just the emotional pain and trauma is beyond what I, I, I could imagine. And then on top of that, he had you know physical pain. He had gunshot wounds that he was attempting to heal from as well. Arrangements for the service and burial had to be made in tandem with Kimberly's family. Needless to say, they likely had a different perspective on things than the Vaughns. What the Vaughns didn't know is just how involved law enforcement had become in the background. And because of the existing dynamic, there was already strained communication between the two families. When we went to make the arrangements for the funeral, we had the Phillips there and I think their daughter, Jenny. And really the first out of Susan's mouth was, where's Kimberly's jewelry? I want it. Somehow Chris had anticipated she was going to want that. So he had put together a jewelry box full of everything he had purchased for Kimberly and gave it to her. And she spilled it out on the table at that point and went through it and says, well, where's her wedding ring? Where's this? Where's that? I want it all. And we just shrugged our shoulders because we weren't sure. I I told Chris it was his and he should have kept it. But he said, no. Susan would want it or make his life terrible. So he just gave it to her. And then we went ahead with the the funeral arrangements. But during the funeral arrangements, there was a lot of tension. Um, I mean, because Mrs. Phillips, Susan, I mean, she wanted to direct everything and have it her way. It pretty much was. And it pretty much turned out to be. It pretty much turned out to be because they had to buy the grave sites and everything like that and Chris said that he would like to have a grave site there too and at first she was not going to let them let him have a grave site there. Susan. Finally she admitted that she would let him have a grave site there. Oh and they, they wanted the keys to that house too because they, they had already assumed that they were going to get the house and everything with it. Yeah I mean it was it was not a good scenario being in the same room with those people. But Chris handled it pretty good. And when I started to get a little upset, he put his hand on my arm and just sort of patted it and said, no, let it be. It's not worth it. This is how the Vaughns remember these interactions. The Phillips family has declined our multiple requests for comment. Given this situation, it's hard to fault anyone's reactions or actions during such a tumultuous time, though. The Phillips likely saw Chris as the person who'd taken away their daughter and grandchildren. Not only were they dealing with grief, but also intense anger. But Chris, on the other hand, 
murderer or not, whether driven by guilt or grief or both, was visibly affected by his loss. Here's Rachel Vaughn, the wife of the youngest Vaughn brother, Adam. When we arrived at the funeral home the day before the funeral, so for the visitation, we all came in, but then Gail and Pierre took Chris in by himself first. And I I remember that because I was standing right by the door watching him go in and he was still walking with a cane because of his leg injury. And he walked in with them. And then as soon as he got in the door, he crumpled. I remember because Pierre had to kind of hold him up and get him into a seat. There was a room designated in the back so we could get out of the crowd, essentially. And he pretty much stayed in there the whole time. And looking back now, I can see how that probably looked. But he was not fit for greeting people. I mean, he just was not in any kind of shape to be interacting with people. Can you expand upon that? I mean... The greeting area, where we were supposed to be to greet people that were coming in to see us, was literally right in front of their coffins. So he was expected to either sit or stand in front of his family, open casket, and talk to people. He was not, while he was in that room, he was not saying words that made sense. Like, he was broken, essentially. And once they got him out, he was able to kind of collect himself. Chris could not go back in that room again. And the next day was the funeral. It was already an emotionally daunting event for both families. But for the Vons, it was about to get a lot worse. Here's Pierre. The day of the funeral... Chris knew something was up, but he wasn't talking to us because the police told him not to, and he was protecting us. But in the meantime, he went through paperwork, and he found a life insurance policy. Um, He signed a title over on his Jeep to us, and he was doing other things. And, you know, and I says, Chris, why are you doing all this? And he says, Dad, he says, he says, I got a feeling they're out to get me. And, you know, that way things protect. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. 
If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. As mourners arrived for the funeral, the Vaughn family sent something was deeply amiss. Here's Gail's younger sister, Rose. Felt like something was going on that day. There was just a lot of tension in the air with the people that work there and everything. And I remember our family being sequestered into a big room and told we couldn't move, we couldn't leave. We were put in that room and Chris, I believe he, they told him he needed to check on her rings. Here's Pierre. The funeral director person was there and the big deal was that the Phillips family wanted all her jewelry. They came, you know, that she was supposed to be buried with, but they didn't want her to be buried with it. They wanted, they wanted take it home with them. She said that um, we had to go downstairs to sign the papers for the jewelry, which struck me as odd and everything like that. So we walked downstairs. And, and just, she only wanted Chris to go down, and Pierre went with him anyway. She led us downstairs. We walked in. There was like a conference room down there. And when we opened the door, there was... 14 different policemen standing there and they immediately handcuffed him and read him his rights and told him he was being arrested for the murder of his family and I was totally in shock. They had to have St. Charles County Police arrest him. This Illinois State Police were there and Chris just snuck back over his shoulder at me as they were walking him out and, and he just he just had a look of shock on his face. He didn't say anything. And I, I told him, just hang in there. We'll, we'll get this taken care of. And then I had to walk back upstairs and talk to my family. Here's Rachel Vaughn. Pierre came back in. I will never forget this moment as long as I live. He went up to Gail and put his hands on her arm. And he said... 
they just arrested Chris. And she just, she had been like a rock the whole time. And it just, it, she fell apart. And her first words were, but he didn't do it. Here's Rachel's husband, Adam. And then it became very apparent that there were no Phillips family in the room with us. Um, and it quickly became obvious that the Phillips were part of those who were supporting the, the police in their arrest. Here's Chris's brother, Eric. They didn't even let him be there present when they were buried. I, I can't imagine watching your sibling being taken away like that under those circumstances. It was very difficult just to even concentrate, you know, to do simple things. I mean, I was one of the pallbearers that was up front with them. And it just felt not taking four people out, you know, from one family. I looked like a little waterfall standing up there. Now, granted, I wasn't the only one. And all the people that were pallbearers were pretty much in the same boat. Chris Vaughn was arrested at 7.50 a.m. as he prepared to bury his family. Afterwards, his brother and father served as pallbearers. At the center of Chris's criminal charges and the driving forces behind the funeral arrest were the Illinois State Police and the Will County State's Attorney, James Glasgow. Here's Chris's initial defense investigator, Bill Clutter. This is a classic case of tunnel vision where uh, Sergeant Lawson locked in on his theory that he did it and everybody rallied behind him, including the state's attorney. And, you know, they were full steam ahead, railroading Chris Vaughn without really conducting the type of investigation that should have been done before you charge a citizen who has the presumption of innocence until proven guilty. But in this case, they just threw the Constitution out the window and, and just declared that he was he did it and we're going to fuck with him. And by arresting him, depriving him of grieving for his family, the funeral was, was one of those ways they did that. You heard former Illinois State Police Sergeant Gary Lawson interrogate Christopher Vaughn hours after his family was shot, still clad in a hospital gown and bleeding, in our last episode. Lawson's testimony in front of a grand jury would be key in securing Bond's indictment. We will revisit the significance of that testimony later in much greater detail. You look at the timeline from when this happened on Thursday morning, June 14th, and in about a week's time, they had already secured his arrest. The obvious thing is that it was just another way of inflicting punishment on a person that they presumed was guilty and never gave the benefit of the presumption of innocence, which is supposed to be ingrained in the Constitution that every citizen has. But in this case, they jumped to the conclusion that he did it from day one. And actually, the decision to arrest him the morning of his family's funeral ends up making Vaughn look worse. In other words, it makes it look like he's 100% guilty. 
if you're going to arrest him at the funeral of his family. Well, yeah, that, that certainly came across in the media. And this is the moment that locked in the new reality for Chris and his family. They were no longer just a family grieving a loss. They were now a family fighting for their son, and they were increasingly alone in that effort. After that, the world just became a blur. This couldn't be happening. We knew Chris didn't do it, but it, was, it fell on deaf ears. I so wanted to make a fuss, but because I believed in law, I did what I was told. It was, it was like a never-ending dream getting worse by the minute, and I couldn't wake up. I mean, my grandchildren were dead. My daughter-in-law was dead. My son was just arrested and accused of being a murderer, later convicted. When I know he didn't do it, he was innocent and in pain from his loss, and nobody cared about him. It was devastating for the Vaughns. While Kim's family probably had a different perspective, they likely felt Chris's arrest dispelled any speculation that their daughter could have played an active role in the tragedy. But Chris's family felt bundled into the accusation by association. Here again is Rachel Vaughn. It was cruel. Because regardless of anything else, there there were two things. First, he was supposed to be presumed innocent. And someone presumed innocent should have the opportunity to attend his children's funeral. If that cannot be the case, regardless of what he did or did not do, his parents still lost their grandchildren and their daughter-in-law. But they were robbed of the opportunity to grieve them because they just took him all at once. And in that moment, we were so shocked by what was happening with Chris. The actual burial and everything was a blur. And I I understand that Kim's family believes that he is guilty. I, I get that. I cannot imagine what that is like to feel that a man that you let into your home took your daughter from you. I, I, I understand that, but what happened was right after we found out, the woman from the funeral home went out and notified the Phillips who were standing right outside our window and they were celebrating. And I do not begrudge them the celebration because I understand from their perspective, Kim was vindicated. That their daughter could not possibly have done this horrible thing. It must be him. And I understand that. And whether or not they knew that we could see them, it just was, it was like a perfect storm of horrible for us. They went in, they took all the front rows of the area. So our family sat all in the back. I I just, I think that was the worst part. Regardless of what Chris did or did not do, the entire family was lumped in with him. And to me, that was the greatest tragedy of that day. That suddenly we were no longer 
families of victims. We were the family of a killer and should be treated as such. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity. It's designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals to help cover unexpected expenses, plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. In other words, it's like getting a paycheck for life. We'll say that again, a paycheck for life, guaranteed. Sounds too good to be true? It's not. It's the Parity Flex annuity, and it's one more example of their commitment to creating a better financial future for women. One where they feel empowered, not excluded, and ready to take on whatever their next chapter holds. Gainbridge believes financial flexibility and security are things we all could use more of. At Retirement Income You Can't Outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Please visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. Let's revisit the concept of the presumption of innocence, which is crucial to ensuring individuals receive a fair trial and is meant to protect the integrity of the justice system as well as the human dignity of people who are accused of committing crimes. Here's private investigator Bill Clutter. We have the constitutional protections because there was a time when there was no presumption of innocence going back to the Salem witch trials where 
there wasn't uh, a lot of protection against someone who may be falsely accused. Where you were guilty until proven innocent. Right. Until you can prove your innocence, right? After Chris's arrest, Kimberly's family allegedly removed anything they considered to be of value from the Oswego family home. The Vaughn family began the process of cleaning out the house for very different reasons. Rose, Chris's aunt, was there to help. I have notes of everything that I saw, feelings, emotions. It's pretty crazy. What was that like? That was surreal, too. It was, didn't really, to get through it, you couldn't have an emotion. You just systematically started on one side of the house and boxed stuff up, got rid of things that had names and dates on it. So people wouldn't go through the dumpster and try and make money on it. It was sad. Even in their state of grief and anger and defensiveness, the Vaughn family was still trying to shield and protect the memories and privacy of their loved ones from the relentless and prying nature of the tabloid mentality that continued to swirl around the tragedy. When we were cleaning the house out, there was a little girl that knocked on their front door. We answered it, and she introduced herself as Abby's best friend. And she said that Abby was a good drawer, and she asked if she could have um, a sketchbook or pictures that Abby had drawn. So my sister said, sure. And so she gave her some pictures. Not more than a few minutes later, another little knock at the door. So it was another little girl with the first little girl, and she also asked for some pictures that Abby had um, drawn. And so Gail said, sure, and she went and got some more. Well, the girls were talking with us, and what the girls had said was that they were allowed to come and play on the front porch, the area in front of the house, but they were never allowed in the house. Even if they had to use the restroom, they had to go back home, which isn't that far, but still inconvenient for a little person that has to use the restroom. (laughs) And then the little girl said that She was supposed to have a sleepover, but when she came to the door with her stuff, she was told that it was canceled. By who? Kimberly. So there's another side that we're not seeing. And and that really stuck out because these little girls were so sweet. And that kind of also talks to the situation at hand. And it was in this innocent and revealing moment with her granddaughter's friends that Gail began to understand there was likely more to Kim's behavior than anyone outside of the household really understood. Yes. And and there was two little girls. And we invited them in. And we went into Addie's room. And I, I asked them, is there something small here from Abby's room that you would like to remember her by and she looked for a long time and they found something very small and then just very tiny at the moment I can't remember what it was but they they said thank you 
because actually it was the first time they'd been in the house. Kimberly really didn't allow kids in her house. It was okay to let Abby, Sandy, and Blake go and play in other houses, but Kimberly just didn't. I'm not sure why, but this was the first time these two little girls had ever been in the house. And they said that they were her best friends. They were her best friends, yes. They came, we gave them something, and they they left. And probably an hour later, maybe an hour and a half, they came back. And what they had done was the picture that they had taken with them that Abby drew. They had put in a little frame and gave it back to us to remember Abby. That's so sweet. And and they were just so sad that this could happen to their friend. There was another neighborhood playmate who wasn't with those two girls. She would later write a letter, which Gail has saved to this day, asking to also receive anything to remember Abby. Her name is Alexa, and we were able to connect to discuss her memories of Abby and the tragedy. Oh, I have so many. When she came over, um, she drew me once. (laughs) And I remember her telling me, like, please don't be mad at me. I'm not the best drawer. I think you're beautiful. And that was the first time I ever heard anyone besides my parents call me beautiful. And I'm like, who are you? Like, you are so mature. You are somebody that I will have in my life forever. Yeah, I wish she were still around. But I know that she's with me every day. Did she ever talk to you about her parents particularly, mom or dad? Not really. Not from what I can remember. Like, thinking about it, I kind of felt like she was trying to escape something, if that makes sense. Because whenever we would talk about family or I would ask a question, it would be kind of like a broad answer or she would kind of change the subject. You mentioned that there was a conversation on the bus one day. Can you remember what it was about or why that comment sticks out? I was probably arguing with my younger brother. We definitely butt heads a lot. And I was telling her, I'm like, you know, I wish I had a perfect family like yours. And she was telling me, you know, not everything is what it seems. And when I kind of asked her to elaborate, then it was like, no, it's nothing too crazy. I'm just saying, you know, no one's perfect. Everybody has their problems and their issues. And then we would kind of move on and kind of go past it. Can you just tell me about um, why and when you reached out to to Gail Vaughn? Um, everything happened and I felt alone. I felt like my my person was snatched away from me and I was really angry for a period of time and then I kind of had an epiphany and I was like how selfish of me to be angry when there are people like Mrs. Vaughn who lost all of her grandchildren you know I couldn't even imagine how she feels so I remember my mom I asked her if she could help me in writing the letter because I I didn't want to sound selfish in wanting some of her belongings as well because I didn't have anything to remember her by. Miss Gail came to our house, but I don't think we were home. And I remember coming home to just a, a small box of a few things and a letter that she wrote back to me. There's this 
it's like a little statue of blonde girl that looks like Abby on a unicorn. It's still on my vanity 14 years later. And another picture that she gave me that I keep in my desk in a drawer. Connections like these are what sustained Gail during this tragic time. But not everything was good. As they continued to go through the house, they discovered something rather upsetting and more than a bit odd. Here's Rose. When we were cleaning out the closet, there were wrapped packages. I don't know if they were birthday, Christmas, what they were. When we, my sister looked at them, she said, those are things that I sent the kids, meaning Sandy, Abby, and Blake. And, one speci- and it had their names on it, and they weren't opened. They were wrapped. And the one tag had on it that for Christopher to build this with Blake and then make one for himself. And I believe it was like a balsa wood airplane something they could do together. And there was more than just one or two. There was like four, five, six different packages in the two different closets that were downstairs. And when my sister saw it, it was hurtful for her, but seeing her face, because there's nothing she wouldn't do for those kids. Here's Gail. They were gifts that we had given the kids, but they had never been delivered. Also, when we were going through the file cabinet in the basement, there was a bunch of birthday cards we had sent to the children, and they had never been opened. They still had $5 in them, because that's usually what I send, $5, because you don't know what the child wants. So when the kids would come and spend a week or a couple days, probably a couple days, I would take a bunch of pictures and I'd put them together in a small little album and I'd give them to them so they could remember their trip. These were up there also, pictures that I had sent home with the kids. I, I I was just, wow, what do you say? You must have been heartbroken. I was that the kids didn't realize that we had given them and we had we had thought about them, we had sent them cards and they'd never received them. They never knew we we cared unless we were right there and, and talked to them and did stuff. Why would someone do that? Why would someone keep Christmas and birthday presents and cards from children from their grandparents? That's a question I, I would like to have an answer for because I don't know. We, Rose and I just looked at that and we looked at each other and, and it, it was just unbelievable. I did ask Chris about that and he says, I don't know what's in the closets. Like a typical male, you know, unless he wants something, he doesn't really look in the closet. There was many things I personally didn't like about Kim, but you know what? My son adored her. And what can you say about that? Love doesn't know a boundary. To get greater insight into whether the confiscating of presents and cards is unusual and or significant, I reached out to Dr. James Fallon. 
In addition to being a neuroscientist, Fallon is professor of psychiatry and human behavior and emeritus professor of anatomy and neurobiology in the University of California, Irvine School of Medicine. Upon review of the materials, he flagged the fact that the two medications prescribed for Kimberly's anxiety and migraines were also used to treat bipolar disorder, a condition associated with episodes of mood swings. She was using a SSRI, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, which keeps the serotonin from being taken back up into the cell body so it stays out in the synapses. It's a way of keeping serotonin out in the synaptic space longer so it can have have an effect. And so she was taking SSRI. What I originally heard was she was taking for migraine and for anxiety, but it's used to treat bipolar disorder, both the mania and the depression. That's one thing, but also she was taking Topamax. So the Topamax added to the SSRI, this can induce you know, suicidal thoughts and actions, definitely. And it can actually make depression worse. So instead of fixing the depression. So these two it can interact, okay? The SSRI and Topamax can interact to produce a very a pretty dire situation. He also found the unopened gifts telling. Who sequestered them and hid them? Apparently, Kimberly Vaughn. Oh, boy. She'd also done that with all the birthday cards and holiday cards. They were in a folder, unopened, with the $5 bills that she, you know, had been sent for the kids still inside. So she knew what she was doing. This was a setup for something, right? I mean, she was, or just to drive him crazy, or them crazy, or just to be manipulative. Do we know if she had bipolar? But bipolars, it's not unusual for them to be very cruel. I mean, it just... You you may not have to go further than that. What we do know is that during the trial, an investigator with the public defender's office read an email message sent from Kimberly Vaughn to one of her classmates at the University of Phoenix, an online college. The classmate apparently suffered from multiple sclerosis, and Kimberly told him of her sister's struggles with the symptoms of the disease. Kimberly also wrote, about her sister's suffering from bipolar disorder. That could be significant because numerous studies have found that people with a parent or sibling with bipolar disorder have an increased chance of developing the disorder themselves. We'll revisit Kimberly Vaughn's behavior in the months leading up to the tragedy in much greater detail later. Back to our timeline. Christopher Vaughn was initially held in Missouri on $1 million cash bond while awaiting extradition to Illinois. Once he arrived in Illinois, he was held without bond. Because of this, Chris would sit in jail from the morning of his family's funeral until his trial five years later. The state of Illinois was planning to seek the death penalty. But with a criminal investigation comes digging and then discovery. And what would soon come out about Christopher Vaughn would make his already challenging defense nearly impossible. On the next Murder in Illinois, Chris and Kimberly Vaughn's troubled marriage becomes tabloid fodder. He made two visits to a strip club and spent uh, an enormous amount of money, I think uh, over $4,000. And Vaughn is betrayed 
as a man looking for a way out of his marriage at any cost. He had recently confided, or I should say confessed to her, that he had had a relationship when he was out of the country in Mexico. Murder in Illinois is a production of iHeartRadio. Executive producers are Lauren Bright Pacheco and Taylor Shacoin. Written by Lauren Bright Pacheco and Matthew Riddle. Story editing by Matthew Riddle. Editing and sound design by Evan Tyre and Taylor Shacoin. Featuring music by Cicada Rhythm. With new compositions engineered and mixed by Evan Tyre and Taylor Shacoin. Archived news reports provided by WGN. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get the stories that matter to you. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why GameBridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. GameBridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at GameBridge.io. Visit GameBridge.io. Flex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com.